do not love the world or the things in the world. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. Hey, have you ever noticed that you have a family resemblance? Now, I, I know it's often the case where we first think about our physical resemblance, but I'm not just talking about a family resemblance when it just comes to the physical, not just our hair color or our skin tones or our eye color, but have you ever noticed that there's a family resemblance when it comes to the environment that you grew up in, whether you were born into it, whether you are adopted into it, whether you are a blended family, that you begin to emulate the very mannerisms of the environment that you either grew up in or that you are growing up in right now. Um, recently, my mother-in-law came into town. And anytime grandparents are in town, you often look at old pictures and you reflect on memories. You bring up old pictures of the kids and you think about how cute they were growing up. And I came across this picture of my wife and our oldest daughter, Micaiah. And this picture, I think it was taken in 2012 when Micaiah was about a year and a half, maybe two-ish years old, just started walking. And my wife at the time, we were standing in our kitchen in Danville, Virginia, and my wife was talking about something. I don't know what it was, but she was leaning up against the counter. She had her arms crossed, just like you see in the picture. And as my wife is talking, like her head is kind of moving around like this as she's talking. And, and you know, she's talking about something very passionately. Don't remember what it was, but she's talking very passionately about about it. And she doesn't even see it, but our little daughter goes over to the counter right there. And then she looks up at her mom and then she leans against the counter too. And she crosses her little arms and then she starts bouncing her head up and down like her mom is talking. And she starts just moving her little lips right there, just emulating, learning from her mom. And she's just looking at her. And I thought right there, there in that moment, look, there is my wife's little mini me learning from her. And guys, right there, even in that moment, look, the family resemblance was evident. And again, for better or for worse, we resemble the families that either we grew up in or we're growing up in right now. And sometimes the evidence of that family resemblance is so evident, it's as clear as the nose on your face. But do you also know that there's a spiritual family resemblance that we should all have. We're about halfway through our series called So That You May Know. We've been in this series in 1 John, and John has been writing to these churches in Ephesus because he's trying to help these churches see that despite the growing persecution, despite the growing confusion, despite some of the ideologies and the false teachings that are coming in from the outside into the church, that they can know that Christ is with them. And he's writing them and challenging them so that they can see that they can have full assurance that the evidence can be crystal clear that Jesus is with them and what he's taught them is true. They don't have to let these ideologies tear down what they've learned about Christ. 
And today, John is going to challenge these churches. And I believe through God's word, through his Holy Spirit, through God's word that is living and active, he's even trying to challenge us today that we need to see that the evidence of a family resemblance is clear. Look, if you are in Christ and following him, the evidence of this family resemblance should be clear. If you are not in Christ or placing your faith, placing your identity in the hands of someone else besides Jesus, there is also evidence of a family resemblance that John warns the church of today that is also clear. And again, there's a strong warning to examine what it is that is evident in your life to see whose you are and whose family it is that you belong to. In fact, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. And today we're going to start in verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Would you follow along with me as I read? John says, see, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. We are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, as we continue this going through your word, Lord, your word that is living and active and true in every season. God, I pray that even today, God, we would see what evidence there is in our lives. God, what is the family resemblance that we're showing right now? God, I pray that if we are in Christ, there will be evidence of a family resemblance that we are children of God. But Lord, not just here on Sunday morning. God, may the evidence be clear in every area of our lives. God, when we leave this place today and we're driving in our car, in our neighborhood, Lord, at work, God, even on our phones, God, wherever it is, may there be evidence that we are your children. And if, God, we are identifying with anyone else, help us to see the truth. Lord, your truth is freedom. 
God, in your truth, there's fullness of joy. God, in you, there's literally hope for eternity. So, Lord, if we're heading the wrong direction, show us today, because we want to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, today I want to give you just three simple reasons, three simple signs that there's evidence of a family resemblance. And the very first one I think John shows us here is that you should look like someone who still has amazement, this sense of amazement when it comes to God. That even right now, again, whether you've trusted Christ many years ago, whether you just started walking with him recently, you should still look like someone who has this sense of amazement when it comes to God. In fact, look again at how John starts this section of his letter. In verse 1, he says, See, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. He says the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. He says, beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. John says to these churches, he says, do you see? Do you see it? Look, this love that he's talking about is no ordinary I love cheesecake or I love five guys type of love, okay? This love that he's talking about is the type of love that comes from the greatest source, the type of love that represents the greatest type of love that has been given, the type of love that is so extraordinary that it's given to people who do not deserve it, but yet it has been freely given to them. In fact, that whole phrasing right there in verse three, verse one, where it says, see what kind of love the father has given to us. That phrase right there, see what kind, this type of love, like it emphasizes that there should be some amazement, some astonishment that this type of love was given to a sinner like the apostle John. That this type of love that is undeserved was given to the people who are in these churches in the first century in Ephesus. Look, there should be some type of amazement, astonishment that this type of love was given to the people at Coastal Church in Chesapeake. Church, do you see it? John says this love, look, it shows us who God is, that he is our savior, our father, our leader. Man, he's pointing the church back to that this type of love comes from this incredible God. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. Look, church, this shows us that our Father, our Savior, our leader, our God has given us this incredible type of love. You know, the Bible shows us that there is something so special about God that he has actually even made himself known to us. You know, so many other world religions, like they paint their God as this transcendent being who is far above the creation, distant from the creation, who's out there somewhere, maybe even holding some type of scales out there. And you have to hope that you're going to get maybe enough on the good side of the scale so that when this life on earth here is over, you can know that you might be going to a better place if you get enough points or enough stuff on that side of the scale. 
And then some other religions, like they will paint God as this person who's not only transcendent, but he's so distant that he doesn't really care about the people who are here on earth. And look, the God of the Bible is someone who is transcendent. Look, he is holy. He is pure, like John talks about right here. But he is also eminent. He wants to be so close to his people. In fact, he has made himself known to us. Again, he is our father, our savior, our leader, our Lord, our God. Look, I know many of you have served in the military. You've probably been in the presence of some uh, very high authority people, whether that's been admirals or Navy SEALs or captains. And maybe you've even been in the presence of some very high up government people, maybe even in the room with presidents or high up government leaders. I know some of you have been in the presence of those people, but many of us will never be in the presence of people who have lots of authority or are very well known. Not only will we not be in the presence of those people, but they'll never know our names. But think about this, church. Have you ever thought about the fact that the God of the universe, no one has more authority than him. No one is more well known than him. And yet this great God who is transcendent above all the creation, who has a desire to be close to his people, he knows you by name. He knows every single one of us by name. He knows every single detail about our lives. He wants to be close. And John takes a moment here and look, and he points this church to this great God of the universe who wants to be so close to his people. He shows the church again who God is. Like this is where this incredible love comes from. But not only does he show the church and remind them who God is, he also reminds them what it is that God has done. And right here, just in this few verses, like he reminds the church that God has justified us, he is sanctifying us, and that he will glorify us. Man, this great love that God has given who comes from the greatest source that he's shown to us, like this great love has brought us this salvation, And if you ever thought about how our salvation, all throughout the New Testament, God paints our salvation involving these three parts, justification, sanctification, and glorification. You know, one of the things that we like to do here at Coastal is that we like to clarify our terms. And I know some of you have been walking with Jesus for so many years. Uh, Some of you may have just started walking with the Lord or still questioning the things about Christ. But no matter where you're at, we believe in God's word. We believe that the Bible is God's word. Man, this shows us who God is and what it is that he's calling us to do. And in God's word, yes, there are some points that are so very challenging, so very hard to understand. But most of God's word, he has made so many things crystal clear. And one of the things that he has made crystal clear is how it is that he saves his people. John says, see See this great love that has made us children of God. This great love is the picture. It is the promise. It is even the process of salvation. Again, God has made it crystal clear. Look, when it comes to him, you're not trying to tip some scales or trying to earn a bunch of heaven points to try to get to go to be to a better place one day. God has made it so clear in how it is that he saved his people. And one of the ways that he's made it clear, again, is through justification. And justification simply means this, okay? It means the righteousness of Christ covers us forever. 
Justification means that the righteousness of Christ, the work that Jesus did, has covered us forever. Look again what John says in verse 2. He says, beloved, we are God's children now. Because of the sin that is in us, a price had to be paid. In fact, you may not have realized it yet, or maybe you have realized it already, but because we're all born with this problem of sin, if we don't do something about our sin problem, we're going to spend eternity apart from God. But that sin is earning us something. It's earning us death. And you may not even realize it, but if you have not trusted in Christ yet, like the Bible even says that you right now are an enemy of God. But the good news is is that God provided a way. In fact, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins that we talked about a few weeks ago. That when you repent of that sin and you believe in this Jesus who is God who came into this earth to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins and he bodily rose from the dead, when you repent, believe, and receive this life that he wants for you, God's wrath is turned away. And that weren't good enough. Not only is God's wrath turned away, but now you are a child of God, which means you are heirs with Christ, which means that now you are in the family of God and the righteousness of Christ now covers you for eternity, both now and forever. In fact, the apostle Paul, he describes this justification this way in Romans chapter five, verse six. He says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Look, if you have received Christ, if you've believed in him, the righteousness of Christ now covers you from now until eternity. Not only is John reminded this church here that this amazing salvation has brought this justification, he's also reminded them of this process called sanctification. And sanctification is simply the process of actually becoming an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. Again, look what he says here in verse 3. He says, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Look, sanctification is where we, by God's grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we love our sin less and less. And we love God more and more. It is also by God's grace and by his power that we actually believe in him more and more. But see, this purification that he's talking about, this process of sanctification, is also this part of salvation where we actually trust God more and more, where we know whatever it is that we have gone through, whatever it is that we will go through, that God has been trusted before, and he can be trusted again, even right now. Church, I'm telling you, there are people who know this justification, that they have received Christ, 
They've repented and believed and received, and they know that they are going to be with Jesus one day. They know that once you're in the family of God, never he's going to leave you nor forsake you. He's never going to abandon you. God does not kick people out of his family. They know this justification. But for some reason, when you've entered into a trial or test or a painful season, and maybe you're even there right now. Right now you're questioning this love that has been lavished on you, this incredible love that's been given to you. And you're even questioning right now or even doubting the God who has given it to you. You know, in my early days of ministry, whenever someone would maybe go through a painful season or a trial, I was the type of pastor where I would say, you know, just ignore what's happening. Ignore the pain right now. In fact, you know, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God's going to get you through. Like, it doesn't matter the pain. Like, uh, just be happy. Find some joy right now. Like, that's what Jesus wants for you. And over the years, I've began to see that, look, God doesn't want us to ignore the pain. In fact, sometimes he's using that pain as part of the process. The process that purifies us, that sanctifies us, that even strengthens us. In fact, the Apostle Paul even describes it this way. And again, I, 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 don't, I don't think there's any super Christians when it comes to faith in the Lord. But if there was a super Christian, it'd be the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, started so many churches, and he even talked about how he had these visions where he didn't know if he was, he was so close to God, whether he was with God or whether he was still here on earth. Like he had such this deep, passionate relationship with Jesus. And listen to how he describes a season that was so painful that he went through. He says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Have you ever been there? Even after being justified. Have you ever been in a place where you were so in a desperate place that you felt like you were despairing of life itself? Man, Paul says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril. He will deliver us. And on him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Look, some of you this morning, you walked into this place and you're carrying such a heavy burden. You don't know how in the world you're going to make it through whatever it is you're going through. Some of you may have been watching online today. You don't know why you even clicked on the link today because what you're going through right now is so painful that you're doubting the love that God has given you. You're doubting who God even is and what he wants to do in and through your life. Church, I just want to remind you that even in seasons of pain and confusion, God has not abandoned you. And I don't know why sometimes we have to go through the things that we go through, but whatever it is we're going through, the Lord is going to see us through. You may not even believe it right now, but I know there is purpose in the pain. And through that season, this is part of the process where God purifies us. He sanctifies us. He draws us even closer to himself where he wants us to trust him more and more. Where he's delivered you before, he will deliver you again. And even right now, he's going to deliver you. 
Would you put your hope in him? Would you trust in him? Come on, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says that he who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. God is not going to abandon you, even through a painful season. Will you trust in him? So there's this incredible justification and this process of sanctification that God works in us where he's purifying us, making us more and more like Christ, where we trust in him more and more. But look also what John reminds the church of in verse 2. He says, what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. This is a reminder of the process of glorification. And glorification is simply the assurance of eternal life with Christ and other Christians. Now, I want you to do this for me, church, okay? I'm going to have you turn to your neighbor in a second. But, you know, sometimes when I ask you to turn to your neighbor, some of you guys are like, okay. Look, you need to put some little bit of energy behind it, okay? Because they really need to hear this this morning, okay? So I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to say this with some gumption. I want you to repeat after me, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you look really good this morning. Come on, encourage somebody today, all right? They look, you guys look good today. Now, the second thing is this, okay? Like, I need you to repeat after me, all right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are. Again, you're saying it like you don't really, you don't want to, like, encourage them, all right? Say, you are going to. Die. Church, it is true, all right? But, but hey, 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 look at me. Look at me, all right? Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You are going to die. All of us are. But the truth is, if you are in Christ, you're going to live again. I mean, John reminds the church that everything that we see, everything that we go through here on earth, like the incredibly great things and the horribly painful things, this is not the end. He says, in fact, even in all the things that you've seen, church, this is still not it. What we will be has not appeared yet. But this is a reminder of the promise that Jesus is coming back. And if you are in Christ, you will get to be with him. One of the um, most challenging parts of my job as a pastor, one of the most humbling parts and even sobering parts is doing funerals. In fact, over the past year or so, I've either done or gone to 11 different funerals. And I've preached eight out of those 11 funerals. In fact, just two weeks ago, I did a funeral for someone who served at the last church I worked at in Stafford, Virginia, named Doreen Perdue. Doreen was in her 70s. She loved the Lord passionately. She went into the hospital to simply have back surgery. And then after the back surgery, she got an infection and she passed away. In fact, her family left up their Christmas tree for months and months and months, begging that the Lord would heal her and bring her back home. And I still don't know why we have to go through painful seasons like that. But I remember at her funeral, and what I often do at a lot of funerals, there's a couple of passages I often point people to, and one of them is John chapter 14, where Jesus said, look, if you know me, if you are in me, if you are in Christ, that he is going to prepare a place for you. 
Again, he's made it so clear. He says, like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But if you believe in me, I'm preparing a place for you. Or even in John chapter 11, where he says, look, even if someone dies, yet will they live. Or Revelation chapter 21, where it says the day is going to come where he's going to wipe away every single tear. Every single tear will be wiped away. Things that are old will be made brand new. Like we will, we will not experience the effects of sin or brokenness again because we will be with Christ. Man, it's a reminder that in this glorification of God is going to bring every single one of his children home. Church, does this still amaze you? Does it still amaze you that God would save someone like you? That the righteousness of Christ would cover you for eternity? Does it still amaze you that even right now, while you're still here on earth, that God is working his sanctifying process in you and through you? He's not going to leave you nor abandon you. And whatever it is that you're going through, he is going to bring you through. Does it still amaze you that even though there's so many good things that we see here on earth, and even though there's so many bad things that we see here on earth, that the day is going to come where the old will be made brand new and we're going to be with Christ forever. Look, is there evidence of a family resemblance? Because you should still look like someone who is amazed, astonished by this great love that's been given to you. All right, number two, write this down, okay? When we're talking about a family resemblance, you should still look like a child of God. Is there evidence of a family resemblance that you look like a child of God? I know what you're maybe saying right now. Andrew, haven't you already said something like this already, that you should look like a child of God? And the answer is yes, okay? But listen to how John himself continues here in verse 4. He says, look, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. He says that sin is lawlessness. He says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either, has either seen him or known him. Then he says, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. And again, I know that John has already said this before. Look, if you've been keeping up with this series, he's already said things like this before. Look, don't walk in the darkness, walk in the light. Look, if there is sin in your heart that characterizes your life, you may not be in Christ because you're walking in darkness. If you're not gonna forgive your brother, if you're not loving your brother, you may not be in Christ. He's already said things like this before. But have you ever known someone, okay, I know like I haven't preached in two weeks and I just got back from vacation and this morning I don't want to offend anyone, okay, but how many of you know somebody that's old? Raise your hand up, okay, somebody that's old. Um, if you know someone that's old or advancing in years, we just elbow them a little bit, make sure they're awake this morning, okay? Have you ever noticed that someone who is um, older or advancing in years they will start to tell the same story, repeat themselves, tell the same story, repeat themselves, tell the same story, repeat themselves, tell the same story again, and repeat themselves again. Anyone else ever experienced that before? Look, some people think, and again, we don't, this is one of the things that we don't have any hardcore church history on. 
um, as to how old John actually was when he wrote this letter. In fact, um, uh, most of the times, like when a rabbi picks a student, they were typically in their teenage years. So most people believe that John was in his teenage years when he started following Jesus in about 30 AD. And then after Jesus ascended and went to heaven, like John wrote this letter we know in about 92 AD. So most people think that at this point when he's writing this letter, he's probably in his 70s or 80s or at the latest point, maybe in his 90s. And maybe because of that um, season stage of life that he was in, maybe he was starting to, even as he's writing to the churches, kind of repeating some things and telling the same stories again. But see, we know that when it comes to God's word, one of the things that the Lord did is he's making sure his word was infallible and inerrant, that sometimes he would literally dictate word for word what people needed to write down to continue to encourage the church. But we also know that God would often use the experiences, um, even some of the life stories and what people were going through in that moment. He would guide it with his Holy Spirit as his word was written down. And look, I really believe right here that the Lord, again, was guiding John to repeat some things. Look, church, anytime the Bible repeats something, whether that's a concept or a challenge or a promise or a principle or something convicting or something exhorting, whenever the Bible repeats something over and over and over again, it's like it's saying, don't miss this. Because so many times, so many people often do. And it's saying, pay attention because this is so important if you are in Christ, if there's any evidence of a family resemblance. So yes, John does repeat some things here, but it's like he's saying to the church and he's saying to us today, look, don't miss this. It's so important because we should look like children of God. So I'm going to put a list for you up here on the screen. And, and you don't have to do this today, but after the list is up there, I would challenge you maybe to take a picture of it and, um, or whatever is not in your notes, like go ahead and um, write it down. I would challenge you at some point today to take some time to go through this list and to simply write anywhere, any number from a one to a 10 on this list. And one is like, or 10 is like, man, I'm doing great. I'm killing it in this area of my life. And one is like, Lord, I need some help right now. Because it's good right now to look at the evidence of your life. Which family are you resembling right now? Again, not 15 years ago, right now on this day, whose family do you resemble? Do you look like a child of God? Before, John has said, look, when you're a child of God, you're walking in the light. When you're a child of God, you're walking in the same way that Jesus walked. When you're a child of God, you're following your advocate, not the accuser. You're not listening to what the lies that Satan tells about you or that he promotes about you, but instead you're listening to the one who advocates for you. When you're a child of God, you're loving and forgiving one another. Look, John has even said that you are literally walking out of darkness into light. You're loving your brothers and your sisters. Are you actually loving and forgiving one another? When you're a child of God, you're actually practicing righteousness that he says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Loving the things of God more and more, being conformed to the image of Christ. And this is where every facet of your life, not just here on Sunday mornings, but in your home, look, in your YouTube queue, in your scrolling, In your responses, in private and in public, physically, mentally, and spiritually, are you actually 
practicing righteousness? Are you walking in who you are in Christ? Who is it that you actually identify with? Man, are you expectant for Jesus to come back like we just talked about? And are you living a life right now not of sinfulness or even sinlessness? Again, John says, look, don't pretend like you have no sin because if you pretend like you have no sin, then you're making to be a liar. But are you constantly confessing your sin? So not sinfulness or even sinlessness, but sinlessness. Are you living a life right now where you're loving sin less and less, loving God more and more? Come on, church, is there evidence of a family resemblance? And one more thing, okay? Look, in all these examples that John has given so far, they've been about, about there's evidence of a family resemblance if you are in the family of God. But then he gives one more evidence that you may not be in the family of God or that maybe you are resembling another family. So number three, write this down. You shouldn't look like the world or the devil. When it comes to a family resemblance, you shouldn't look like the world or the devil. Look, John uses some strong language here to talk about the people who are in the churches, to again help them to see, look, you can have crystal clarity that there's evidence of a family resemblance with Christ, but there may be some opposite things happening. You may begin to look like the world or even the devil. In verse 8, he says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. He says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. And by this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Look, church, everyone is made by God, but not everyone is a child of God. And if you are in Christ, if you are a child of God, sometimes even a child of God can have an identity crisis. Again, John is repeating and emphasizing that if you are in Christ, but you're beginning to look like the world or even Satan himself, you might be having an identity crisis and it's time to head a different direction. But if you are not in Christ right now, and I know this is not a church growth statement, if you are not in Christ right now, he's talking about you. He's saying that those who are not in Christ are children of the devil. And just like Pastor Brian even talked about last week that those who have the spirit of Antichrist, literally the opposite of Christ. Right now, you are living in opposition to God. In fact, he gives a couple of indicators that there's a resemblance of Satan's family. And the first thing is that loving and practicing sin could be evidence that you're looking like the world or even the devil. He says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. And it's a couple of weeks ago, like when we talked about the desires of the eyes, desires of the flesh, and even the pride of life. Look, right now, if you are walking in darkness, if you are loving sinful things more and more, and even becoming numb to God's word, if you are even becoming numb to his discipline and his correction, there might be evidence that 
this right now, you're in a season, if you're in Christ, that you're having identity crisis or sin is defining your life, if you're loving sin more and more, that you are not a child of God. He says being deceived and even deceiving others. In verse 7, he says, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he, Jesus, is righteous. Again, right now, is there an ideology, a philosophy, a way of life or culture or even politics that is in opposition to God's word that you are believing more right now than God's word itself? Are you being deceived? But also, are you deceiving others? In fact, here specifically, he's talking about are you living a lie or are you even telling lies to other people? In John chapter 8, John records the words of Jesus, and Jesus has some intense words for the Pharisees who are following their father, the devil. Jesus says in verse 44 of John chapter 8, he says, you are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In verse 47, he says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Look, Satan himself is characterized by lying. And is your life right now one that is filled with either hypocrisy? Are you living lies or are you telling Lies. The last indicator that John gives here that there might be evidence that you are part of another family is lawlessness. Now, he says that sin is lawlessness. And lawlessness really is this personal offense against God. In fact, if you look back at verse 4, he says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. And this is active rebellion against God. Are you living right now in active rebellion against the Lord? And as our worship team makes their way back up to the stage, church, whose family do you resemble right now? Yes, physically in your actions, but also in your mindset and even in your heart set. Look, John has said these things before. But it's just another reminder that we need to recognize the patterns that we're building in our life right now because they are determining who we're becoming tomorrow. So again, not 10 years ago, not even five years ago, but right now, today, whose family do you resemble? Are you still amazed at this great love that's been lavished on you? Are you still amazed that even through this process called life that God is purifying you, sanctifying you, even during painful seasons, and he's going to see you through? Are you still amazed that even though there's so much good in the world, and even though there's so much bad, that one day all of it will be made brand new, and you'll be with Jesus? Is there still this sense of amazement in your relationship with the Lord? Is there evidence of a family resemblance that you are actually a child of God? Or are you identifying with another family right now? If you're identifying with another family, I would challenge you, if you are in Christ, that you would make this the moment today that you head 
a different direction. Even as we sing this last song, would you, would you repent? And I, I know sometimes like the word repentance like either makes people feel bad or feel weighted down, but repentance simply means like I'm heading one direction, but now I'm going to head a different direction. First John chapter one, verse nine, John has said it before. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So first we can put on repeat every moment in every season. And maybe today is the day like you need to repent and head a different direction. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as Lord. And you know he's been calling you you know he's been drawing you. Man, he's literally put people in your life. Man, someone brought you to church today so you can hear this good news of the gospel that even despite our sin and our shame and our past, that there is a hope that can lead to an eternity forever that's in Christ. The evidence can be so clear if you would just trust him. And that's you today. Would you make this today that you repent of your sin and trust Jesus Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, I thank you, Lord, even in, even in the, the tough passages that you give us, God, even in your challenges and your correction, God, you are lavishing your love on us. God, even in your discipline is a sign that you love us. So God, I pray as your children, God, if we are identifying with another family, if we are having an identity crisis, if we're living lies, telling lies, God, if we're even living in active rebellion against you. God, remind us of your love. God, remind us that even right now, Lord, you are ready to forgive and help us to head a different direction. But God, I pray for the person who's in Christ. God, I pray that this sense of amazement and wonder of how you saved us and this incredible love that you've given us, God, I pray it would never grow old. God, I pray it would never go cold. God, help us to hear it again and again. And we would see the great love the Father has given to us. We love you, God. We praise you. In Jesus' name.